Amen. Talking about intercessory prayer uh, all month long. And tonight I just want to kind of highlight that and then get us into a place of action to pray. And we'll be praying about specific topics all month long. But uh, one person wrote this. He said, prayer has become for many in the church an occasional habit. It's an if I have time event. But Colossians tells us in chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. You know, you think about it. You see uh, throughout the book of Acts uh, that the early church was always meeting in homes, actually for the purpose of prayer. In fact, they sought the power of God desperately through prayer to spread the gospel in all kinds of dire situations, right? In fact, that's where we get Sunday nights from, was that early in the early church, Sunday night was the time where they would come and they would pray uh, together. And they would worship and pray long into the night, and the presence of God would come in love and power, and they would go preach the gospel Monday through Saturday to a lost and dying world that very well might have killed them. Can you imagine praying, you need to get something before we go out on Monday, because on Monday, one of us may die. Can you imagine going to church that way? How many would be not in a hurry to get out of service on a Sunday night if you knew Monday morning you might get arrested and beheaded for being a Christian? We would be holding on to the altars desperate in prayer. That's how the church was birthed, and that's the foundation of us, and we're talking about intercessory prayer. At its root, intercessory prayer is simply coming to God on behalf of somebody else. It could be a mom or dad. It could be uh, a community. It could be a nation. It could be a church. It could be uh, yourself in, in some sense. But normally it's for someone else coming to God on behalf of someone else. It's intercessory prayer is with faith. It is intense. It is continual or it is repeating. It is spirit-led and it is faith-filled. Uh, you think about it, it's Jesus who interceded for Peter so that Satan wouldn't sift him like wheat. Jesus prayed, he says, Peter, I've prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. I've prayed for you that you would not go through this trial you're about to go through. You're going to deny me. It's going to be bad. But I've prayed that you won't fail, that Satan can't have all of you. And it was Jesus's prayer that kept Peter from falling. Intercessory prayer. Paul listed this kind of a prayer, a spirit-led, powerful prayer, as the last uh, armor, the last weapon in the offense of the armor of God. Uh, it was spirit-led, spirit-filled prayer that he told all the saints needed to have. And he, then he said, pray for saints everywhere on all occasions. He's, he said, intercede, intercede, pray for other saints, because they were all going through so many trials. You know, and Satan's going to do anything he can to keep us from a prayer life. He knows the most powerful weapon is intercessory prayer. He knows that he doesn't want a praying church because it's the praying church that breaks enemy strongholds. It's not our programs. It's not our charisma. It's not our website. It's not our advertisement. It's not our musicians. It's prayer that's going to break through enemy strongholds. We can't do anything without prayer. Uh, yet the prayer meeting has virtually disappeared from the church. Charles Finney said this, he said, prayer meetings are the most difficult meetings to sustain because they're the most spiritual meetings of the church. Satan is against a prayer meeting. He's against when churches devote significant times of their services, like we do on Sunday nights, to prayer. In fact, you'll probably, by your tenure of being here with me, you'll probably get tired of me talking about prayer. How many people know I talk about prayer a lot? Because it's so very vital and important uh, for our church. 
Campbell Morgan said this. He said, one of Satan's methods today is to start so many organizations or programs in a church so that members have no time for unhurried communion with God. Many Christians are so busy that they can only hear the clink and the clatter of a church machine. Too often we are over-organized and under-agonized. I love that. Sometimes we're so organized, it's so polished, it's so pretty, but we're not agonized for the things of God. And look with me in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Let's do a little case study real quick tonight on prayer, intercessory prayer. At least a year or several years later, James has been beheaded and killed, and now they've arrested Peter. Herod has arrested Peter, and he's put him on all, all kinds of guards, layers and layers of guards. And it says, so Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently. Everybody say fervently. Fervently by the church to God. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter's side. That's funny. You know, struck him in the side. Wake up. Wake him up. And he says, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And we know that Peter would follow that angel outside and he would kind of come to himself. Oh my gosh, this was real. I thought it was a dream. And he'd go to uh, John Mark's mother's house and he would knock on the door and there would be a little girl there, a servant girl. And, and she would say, oh my gosh, it's Peter. And she wouldn't even be so excited. She wouldn't even let him in. She wouldn't understand what she was doing. She ran back to the house. She said, it's Peter, it's Peter. He's out the door, he's out the door. And they're like, no, you gotta be kidding. It's probably his ghost because we know Peter's probably, dead. now these are people praying, interceding. They know Peter's about to die in the morning. And they're like, well, he must have killed him already because his ghost's knocking at the door. And so they finally convince him, they go, they let her in and he's like, shh, don't tell anybody. Let's be quiet about this. It was intercessory prayer that sent the angel to Peter and broke the chains of the enemy. And it's going to be intercessory prayer from this church that breaks chains at our high school for drug addiction in our community, for unity in our churches, for revival in our midst. It's only going to be intercessory prayer. And if you're relying on Pastor Heath to preach better or our worship team to sing better or our church to get more advertising space on Facebook, none of that is going to do it. It is only going to be a church that is breaking chains in prayer. That's the only solution. There is no other solution. You can go out there and go door to door all you want, but if you have not prayed beforehand, if we have not broken the chains ahead of time, we will go out there and knock door to door in vain. It is only going to be a church who has intercessory prayer. And I look at this, and it was this prayer meeting that was moving God's heart. God loves when his people pray and they align themselves, themselves with his will. And it says that these saints believe Peter was ready to die. And they were probably paying, praying for his release. But mainly, one author writes, mainly they were probably praying that when Peter dies, God help us to keep this thing going. James, the beginning of the apostles, the leader of the church in Jerusalem has died. Now Peter's about to die. And Stephen's already dead. And so God, help us. Help us, help us, help us, and the Lord would rescue Peter. Can you imagine having to live in that time, in that moment? Lord, help us to keep the flame going. Oswald Chambers said this. He says, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. We're not praying that we could do something great. Prayer is what's great. 
Prayer is the thing, it's the moment, it's the machine, it's the thing that, that we need. We're doing the work already in the Spirit. But because we're not very spiritual people, we think prayer is just a bunch of words talking to a God who may or may not answer. Isn't that true? That's how we kind of view it. I know I do sometimes. That's the way I think it's just, okay, we're praying, I'm talking to God. He may answer me, he may not. It's up to him, blah, 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 but we're talking. God likes us to talk to him. That's not how it works. God is moved by prayer. Prayer is the work that will break chains, that will open people's deaf ears to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's prayer that's going to break all those things off. Let me give you some examples. Jeremiah, he wept. Jesus wept. Paul wept. So did John. Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses and Paul both interceded for a straying Israel. Luke 5, 5, 16, Jesus would slip away in the wilderness to pray not only for himself, but his disciples, for the people, for the message. Often in the morning, he'd be alone. He interceded, like I said, for Peter. He intercedes for you and for I today. Hebrews says in John 17, he interceded that we would be one church. Intercession. Ephesians 6, 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. With this in view, and be on the alert with perseverance and petition for all of the saints. It's a command. Intercessory prayer is a command that we would be about intercessory prayer. Acts 1.14, the early church prayed with one mind, continually devoting themselves to prayer. And that's when the Holy Spirit came after that and baptized them all. It was the people who had devoted themselves for 10 days to seek the Lord and say, God, we will not move without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do anything without you doing it first before us. God had to go before Israel in the wilderness. If you think about it, that he would go before them. It said he sent his angels out before him. It was Jericho that fell because the angel had already gone and, and surveyed the land. And walked, the angels were walking around that place, not just the people. It's, it's all of this stuff is in it. We're in a different world. Do you understand me tonight? There is a different world with different rules. And if we're thinking church is done and accomplished, or our marriages or our family gets saved and all this stuff happens just by our own ability, uh, we're sorely mistaken. This is a spiritual kingdom, and we're fighting a spiritual battle. And this whole thing is spiritual, and it has to happen in prayer, because you have to have spiritual weapons to fight this spiritual battle. I can't do it with just my knowledge or my ingenuity or my creativity or charisma. It has to be through the Spirit. So we have to pray in the Spirit. Let me give you some examples on the power of prayer. Luke 18, 7, Jesus taught that the persistence of a widow gave her justice, even with a wicked judge. And it was similarly those who would continue to cry out to God day and night and God will not delay their prayers. He says, I'm looking for a people of faith. Will I find a people of faith? A people who are persistently knocking for justice, for righteousness, for God to move. He's wanting to come back and find a people who have been on their knees in prayer and saying, God, rend the heavens and come down. Lord, send revival to our community. God, break every chain. Lord, move in this place. That's what Jesus is looking for. James says it this way. He says, the effectual, that is the powerful the fervent, that is the passionate prayer of a righteous man, avails or accomplishes much. He says the powerful, passionate prayer produces much. A powerful, passionate prayer produces a lot of things. And that's what we want. A righteous man means that we're saved. The righteousness of God in Christ is ours. So it's a powerful, passionate prayer 
that's going to produce something in our churches, in our life. And we're about to move into our new transition and expanding our worship time and space out into the community. It's going to be, uh, we're going to be successful not because it's creative and it's different and it's new. It's going to be successful because it's birthed in prayer. It's bathed in prayer. Prayer is not a preparation for the battle, Leonard Ravenhill said. It is the battle. Prayer is not in preparation for a battle. It is the battle. E.M. Bounds said this. He said, prayer breaks all bars. It dissolves all chains. It opens all prisons. It widens all straits by which God's saints have been held. I like that. Prayer breaks all bars. It dissolves all chains. It opens all prisons. It widens all straits of the chains and the things that are binding us in our church. What are some things you think are hindering the church of God today in, in our community from expanding? Think about it. What are the, some things that are keeping your family, your lost loved ones, from coming into church and getting saved? What are those barriers? What are those obstacles? What are those things that the enemy, no doubt, is having control over? What keeps so many people from being consistent in their worship time and their attendance in a church? What keeps so many people from giving of their time and their talent and treasure and connecting into a local body? Think of it. We could make all these excuses and say, well, people are busy, or well, they got this. or well, they, Those are all things, but you know, there's a spiritual issue beyond all of those things. It's a spiritual issue why they will not hear. It's a spiritual, spiritual issue why they will not commit. And those things can, while well, we can do whatever we can do in the flesh to impel and, and call and convince and talk to and get people to come in, that's only going to go so far because prayer is the work that's required to do those things. It comes through prayer. I love what Tertullian, try to say that name three times fast, Tertullian, he was one of the early church fathers uh, about 300 years after Christ, one of the last Pentecostal church fathers, spirit-filled church fathers, and he said this, prayer has been used to call down plagues, scatter armies, and withhold the rain. The prayer of righteousness, it holds God's anger, it protects from enemies, it makes supplication. Prayer recalls lost souls from death, it transforms the weak restores the sick. Prayer purges the possessed. Prayer opens prison doors. It loosens the bonds of the innocent. Likewise, it washes away faults. Prayer repels temptation, extinguishes persecutions, consoles the faint-spirited. Prayer cheers the high-spirited. It exhorts travelers. It appeases waves. It makes robbers stand shocked. It nourishes the poor. It governs the rich. It appraises the fallen. It arrests the failing, it confirms the standing. Prayer. I wish I could write that good. It Prayer. It's there. It's the thing. It's the energy. It's the machine. It's the weapon. It's, it's the, the everything we need to succeed in life has been given in the cross through Jesus Christ. But we have to be praying those things into existence in our life. Prayer. We have promises in prayer. It says, God will hear the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their prayer. Psalms 102, 17. Jesus said all these promises. Here's some great promises in prayer. And he'll ask and it'll be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be open. That's repeated prayer. Ask, seek, and knock. It'll be open. Everyone who asks is going to receive. Everyone seeks, they're going to find. And if you knock, it's going to be open. Jesus said all things, whatever you ask in prayer, if you believe it, you'll receive it. And if you can believe everything is possible to him, all things to him he believeth. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I'm going to do it. 
so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name for my honor, that's my, his glory, his name, his honor, for his reputation, he's going to do it. John says it this way, 1 John 5, he says, This is the confidence that you have before him, Jesus, that if you would ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us in whatever we ask, we ought to know that we have the request which we have asked from him. We're praying things according to the will of God. We know if it's in his will, he wants to do it. He's just waiting for you to ask. You think it's God's will for revival to break out in our parish and community? You think it's God's will for tons of teenagers to be saved and drug addicts get delivered? How come it's not happening? How come the church isn't seeing these things? And the question is, do we have praying churches? Do we have praying saints? Do we go about our day and live our nice American dream lives and get our cars and trucks? And all those things are great. But if we're not praying and interceding for something to happen, it's not going to happen. God is looking for a church that would humble themselves and pray, seek his face, turn from our own way of living and doing and thinking. And he wants us, he wants to heal our land. He says he does. He wants us to pray to him. And I'm going to give you these four things to take home, and we're going to pray. Walter Wink said this. He says, history belongs to the intercessors. Every revival has been birthed out of prayer. Every great move of God has been birthed out of a church who is committed to pray. Number one, you should pray with penitence. That's a fancy word for repentance. Penitence. Pray with penitence. Pray from a position of, I can't do this without God. Pray from a position that I need God to move. That's penitence. It's repentance. It's selflessness. It's, God, I have nothing to offer. I need you. Number two is pray with passion. Pray with fervency, with determination, with repetitiveness. Not in vain repetition like the heathen, Jesus said, but simple, passionate prayer. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be some great oratory, but it has to be passionate from the heart. It has to be birthed out of the heart. Number three, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray with the Spirit. The Bible says in Romans 8 that we don't know what to pray for. The Spirit comes and helps us in our weakness, and He prays with groanings. We don't even understand. The Spirit can begin to pray according to the will of God, that the Holy Spirit is there to help you pray. You have to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's when He quickens you to pray for someone in the middle of the night. He quickens you in different times and seasons to know when to pray uh, fervently or pray quietly. There's been times, even here recently, I've been uh, over here praying through the worship time, and I can sense there's just demonic attack coming over our services and just praying against those things. Uh, there's times where I think it's uh, we need to do this in a service or that in a service. There's times where I feel like, uh, you know, God wants me to pray for a certain person, and that's the person I begin to intercede for. And you don't know what they're going through that time, and you come to find out later there was something they needed prayer for, and you didn't even know it, but God just quickens you to pray. you got to pray with the Holy Spirit. Pray with His quickening. And the lastly is pray with promises. That is, pray with faith. Pray the promises of God and hold God to his word. He's looking for people that will remember his word and say, God, you said, you said, Lord, if we would humble ourselves and pray that you, and we turn from our wicked ways, you would heal our land. You said this, God. You said if we prayed according to your will, Lord, that we would ask and see this be done. And Lord, we are not going to stop knocking and asking. You know, I think a hurried prayer 
we're already hurried. We come to ready to pray. Okay, I got to get through this prayer to get to where I got to go. But just to say, God, I'm not moving from this place until I feel peace that, God, I, I feel like I've touched heaven. I feel like, Lord, that you have heard me and that I've gotten through. You know, Daniel prayed a prayer in Daniel chapter 10, I believe, and it said he prayed a prayer, but there was some spiritual warfare going on. And if you read it, it says that there was a prince over this area, a demonic prince over this area. And the angel come and says to Daniel, Daniel, I tried to get through with your prayer. Your answer to prayer it was answered. It was heard from God immediately. But as I tried to come back, I had to get reinforcements. I had to go get a stronger angel than me to come do battle with this demonic power so I could get around and come answer your prayer. That's not a theology that you hear talked about a lot, but that's how this thing is going on. Right now, we are in a battle for the souls of men and women and children, for the souls of every student in that high school, for every drug addict and alcoholic and abuser in this street. Their souls hang in the balance, and there are demons fighting for the rights of those people. And it's up to you and I to say, God, move. God's all-powerful. God's all-knowing. He's all-authority. He's all-powerful. But he's looking for a church that says, do you know my promises? Are you praying in the power and persistence of the Holy Spirit? Amen? Amen. Intercessory prayer. We're going to do that tonight. Would you stand with me?